This series has been really good, hasn't it? Yeah, it's one of my favorite ones that we've done uh, for Christmas. I don't, I don't think the skit guys are watching our live stream today, uh, but I just want to thank them for letting God use them uh, to bring creativity uh, to a story that I know that we have heard hundreds of times throughout our lifetime, and it just brings something fresh uh, to our hearts in this way uh, through the creativity that God has blessed them with. We're just really thankful for that. I love how they ended this story with this twist at the end, an unexpected twist that I didn't see coming as I was watching through the different videos uh, where the director actually left the building during the performance. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, As a pastor, uh, I would not like that. I would not like it if the director of the Christmas play left the building during the during the play, because what that would mean is if something went wrong, that would be my problem. Uh, But I love the illustration of it. I I love the idea that the director did all that he could to prepare the actors on stage to do their job to the best of their ability, and then he just trusted them. He trusted them to go and play their role in the story. I think that's a really neat illustration. So I want to ask you a question this morning, and I'm just going to warn you up front that the right answer to the question is probably not going to be the first answer that pops into your mind. So I'm just warning you up front, especially if you are here with us on Christmas Eve, your mind when you hear the question is probably going to go to a certain place, and that's okay, uh, but I'm going to take you on an unexpected twist, okay? Here's the question. What is your role in the Christmas story? Just kind of think about it for a minute. What is your role in the Christmas story? More specifically, would you see yourself as a star in the Christmas story? I kind of know where most of our minds are going as we would answer that question. If you were to be asked, if you and I were having a conversation, would you see yourself as a star in the Christmas story? The first answer that pops into our minds is uh, is probably, well, no. I'm going to let you process this because I'm going to take you in a different direction. Go with me to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read the same verses that we read Christmas Eve together. Matthew chapter 2. We're going to focus on something different, though. Christmas Eve, we looked at the wise men and their story, their role in this Christmas story This morning, we're going to focus on the star. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men, some magi from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Get down to verse 9, there was this conversation back and forth as uh, King Herod's trying to figure out where, what time they saw the star, because he's got some really bad, evil intentions in mind, right? There's that background story. But when he was done talking with them, verse 9 says, The wise men went their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them, and it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. 
They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This first, or this star rather, in in, uh, Matthew's account has been called the Savior's star. It's been come to be known as the Savior's star. This star belongs to Jesus. It's, uh, It's his star. But this star in Matthew chapter 2, it's not, it's not the star of the story, is it? Who is the star of the story? Jesus, right? He's the star of the story. But this particular star, this physical star, what did it do? It shone bright in, in a dark setting, and it pointed people to who? To Jesus. I'm going to ask you the question again with that understanding, that uh, metaphor, if you will, in the background. What is your role? What is my role in the Christmas story? Are you a star in the Christmas story? Most of us, I, myself included, I think if, uh, what I would expect that answer to be is, well, no, I'm, I'm not a star in the Christmas story. We hear that word star, and when we hear it in context of or in connection to a play or, or a story or a movie, we would think of that, we would define the word star as, well, this, the star is what the, who the story is about. The star is the main character. But the twist, hopefully that you didn't, didn't see coming, is this, our role in the Christmas story is to be a star that points people to the star. Our role in the Christmas story is to be a star, just like this one, that point people, that points people to the star who is who is Jesus. That's our role as followers of Christ is to be that that shining light in a dark setting and point people to the Savior. In Matthew chapter 5, check this out, Matthew chapter 5, look at verse 14. Jesus says this about those who follow Him, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. This is our role in the story. This is our role in the gospel. The lives that we live, the words that we say, the things that we post, these are things that God wants to use to shine light on maybe what is missing in someone's life. When you and I, when we live a life of love, we are shining in a dark world. We are pointing people to hope and peace and joy that can only be found in Jesus. That's our role in this story. We shine light on the truth of the gospel that says that Jesus forgives sin, that Jesus for, uh, that He changes lives, that He gives eternal hope. 
We are a star that points people to the star. That's our role in the story. There's a couple other verses throughout Scripture. There's, there's many more, but I like these. Daniel 12.3, I love this. And those who are wise shall, shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. A way of describing our role in this story. A star that points people to the star. Ephesians 5, 8 and 10. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord, right? That's our job, to find out what pleases the Lord, live a Jesus-centered life. And when we do that, we are this light that guides people and points people to Jesus. John 8, 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When we live a Jesus-centered life, the light of Jesus shines through us and points them to him. Our role in the Christmas story is to be a star that points people to the star. Hannah and I went to see the new Spider-Man movie this past week. We had a great time. Uh, she, she got some popcorn, and uh, I snuck some, uh, some drinks in my coat. Uh, that was fun. I made sure that I put our, uh, our jackets on the seat next to me to make sure that that buffer seat was respected this time. Uh, but what I did not account for was these two young guys that came in and sat right in front of us. When they sat down and took their coats off, uh, the aggressive B.O. that punched me in the face was terrible. And that B.O., you know what B.O. is, right? Well, right, making sure, body odor. That, these two young guys, man, I'm telling you, uh, it was bad, and it didn't let up for like three hours straight. It just was aggressive the entire three hours. Now, that part of the story is actually not that important to what I want to tell you. Uh, deodorant's important. I don't mean that. Deodorant's important. It's just not why I'm telling you the story. Uh, when we talk about the, the movie Spider-Man or, or any other movie, who, who is the star of that movie? Who's the star of the movie Spider-Man? Not a trick question. Like, it's literally in the title of the, of the movie, right? Spider-Man is, of course, the star of that story. When you watch the, a movie like that, typically no one sticks around at the end of a movie to watch the credits, right? Typically people don't really care. But the thing about it is, a movie like that, all of those people, hundreds and hundreds of people, have a very important role Without those hundreds of people uh, doing what they do to make that movie, we don't get to hear, we don't get to see the story of Spider-Man. Now, Marvel, who owns the rights to that story, has come up with, I think, a genius way of getting people to stick around at the end of a movie to watch the credits. 
what they do is they put these bonus scenes in in the middle of the credits or at the end of the credits, and they do it in every movie so that you kind of know that that's coming. And so people, when the movie's over, very few people get up and leave the theater uh, during the credits because they want to see the bonus scene. Even if the entire theater stinks like punch you in the face B.O., people are going to stay and watch these credits. Now, again, I don't think Marvel was watching this sermon this morning either, but uh, I just want to tell them we still don't care. We still don't care about those names. We're going to stick around because we want to see the bonus footage, but we still don't care about the names on the screen. Festus McBoom Mike is not the story or this, the star of this story, Spider-Man is. But we have to have this realization that without Festus McBoom Mike and the hundreds of other people that do their jobs with excellence, whose names we don't know, we don't get to hear that story. We don't get to see the story of Spider-Man. Jump back to our story, a much more important story, a real story about Jesus, our Savior, Jesus, yes, is the star of the Christmas story. Nobody needs to know your name. Nobody needs to know my name. We don't need to be famous. But if we don't do our job, if we don't take seriously the command that Jesus gave us as followers in Matthew 28, when he told us that we need to go and make disciples and, and teach them to obey everything that he has commanded, if, if we don't do our job with, with excellence, then I, I wonder who's not going to get to hear the story of Jesus. Romans 10, 13 and 15 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Aren't we thankful for that? Then it goes on to say and ask this series of questions. How then can they call on the one in whom they have not believed? Okay, fair question. How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? Oh, yeah, you're right. And then it gets really personal. How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can they hear unless someone tells them the story? How can anyone preach unless they are sent? And I hope when you hear that, you don't think, well, as long as I throw my 10 bucks in the offering so that we can fund missionaries to go out and tell the gospel that I've done my part in this story. That's not what, that's, what that means. Yes, we have to make sure that we are supporting foreign missions. That's super important. But this is about us. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. That's you and that's me. That's our job. We need to be doing that. Our role in the Christmas story is to be a star that points people to the star. I want to talk this morning about how we can be the brightest star that we can possibly be. I mean, why would you want to be a dull dingy star, if you can be a bright, attractive star. Let's talk about how we can point as many people to Jesus as possible by being as bright of a star as we can possibly be. I have two passages that I think are really helpful in this. I'm going to go to 1 Peter chapter 3. Would you look there? 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 13. 
Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. I think that's important for us to remember because uh, as we live a Jesus-centered life, not everyone's going to appreciate that. Not everyone is going to applaud you at work for doing the right thing. They'll do the right thing. If they don't reward you, if, if you don't get applause and praise for doing the right thing, for, uh, for living a, a good life, for being kind, uh, well, you, you fill in the blank for doing the things that God would want us to do. But it says here that God will, God will reward you, and that should be enough. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. That might also be something that we need to keep in mind in the, in the months, years ahead. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. If someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. And then, if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. I'm going to just break that verse down that talks about setting Jesus apart as our Lord and being prepared to give an answer. When we talk about shining as brightly as we can, I think there's some really good practical advice, uh, insight into how we can do that in that verse. Set apart Christ as Lord. Jesus is the king. You are not. Jesus is in charge. I'm not. And if we, can, if we can remember that every day, if we can remember that, uh, that he's in charge, that he's the king and we are not, we are, we are, we are going to shine so much brighter. We're never going to be transformed from a dingy, dull star into a bright, attractive star until we surrender our whole self to Jesus. If we're just going to keep going through life, doing our own thing in our own way, most likely we're going to mess that up and we're going to be a dull, dingy star. We're probably not going to point a whole lot of people to Jesus because life's about us. But if life is about Jesus, if He is the center of our lives, if He is who we want to please in everything that we do and everything that we say, if He's the center, we're going to shine a whole lot brighter. We're going to, we're going to point a whole lot more people to Jesus. So start with that. Just set apart Christ as Lord. He's the King. He's in charge. This next part, be prepared to give an answer for your hope. I think it's really important that we study the Word of God. Uh, I, I think that every Christian should uh, be doing that, not just on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week, uh, whether it's through daily devotionals or uh, maybe a, a small group, all of the above. I think it's important that we are able to answer difficult theological questions that people might have where you go to school or where you go to work and they've got a question, if you've got a good answer, that's, I think, important. But the most important question that we have to be prepared, even if you get stumped on some really tough theological question, like you can't explain predestination, uh, you can't explain uh, eschatology to every, uh, every single person and every question that they have, okay, 
Keep working at that stuff. Keep learning. That's good to learn that stuff. But every single one of us have to be prepared to give an answer for our hope in Jesus Christ. When, when people look at us and, and wonder, why do you have hope? How can you possibly live with hope when everything around us looks hopeless? How is that possible? Be prepared to give an answer to that question. Part of being prepared is certainly uh, living in Christ in such a way that you do have hope when everything looks hopeless. And if you can do that, if you can have all of your hope in Jesus uh, when everything is kind of upside down and you still trust Him and, and you're able to keep walking through difficult days and do hard things because of your faith in Christ, uh, you can explain that to people. You can explain the reason that I'm not falling apart, the reason that I'm not afraid, the reason that, that I can keep moving forward isn't because I'm tough. It's not because I'm special. It's not because I'm apathetic. It's because of my hope in Jesus Christ, because He gives me everything that I need in this life and in, in, in the next. So uh, I'm not shaken because, because of Jesus. If we can give that answer to people, we will shine brightly in a dark world. The last part of that uh, verse says to be gentle, be respectful, keep a clear conscience. All of those things have to do with being a bright, attractive star in dark places, in the way that we live, in the way that we talk to people, in the way that we treat others with love and kindness and respect. There's not a lot of that going on nowadays, is there? Less and less uh, kindness and respect. People like to jump to conclusions uh, about people. And if you're on the wrong side of social media, your life can be destroyed. But if we can be gentle, if we can be kind, if we can be love, if we can keep a clear conscience in the way that we live, boy, we will shine brightly in a dark world. One other passage that I want to show you that I think is really helpful to this, uh, this idea of shining brightly. It's Ephesians chapter 4. This is more of a, uh, a challenge of how important it is for you to shine brightly wherever it is that you find yourself. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people. Who would that be? In, in, this, in this situation that we find ourselves in right now this morning, who would the, this group of people, God's people, who would that be? Yeah, you got it. Good job. The pastors and teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. I have been asked many times over 20 years um, after sermons, someone will come up and say, was that sermon just for me? Were you following me? around? Were you, were, you, were you in my house this week? No, I'm not a creep. I'm, I, didn't, I didn't 
I don't have elf on the shelf powers. I'm not following you around. Uh, in, in fact, uh, when, I, when I read this, uh, I desperately need you to understand the importance of this. I desperately need you to understand I cannot be where you are all week. Do you get that? I can't shine in the places that you go. I can't shine in the conversations that you're going to have this week. I can't shine where you work. I can't shine where you go to school. I can't shine on the team that you're on or in the family gathering that you'll find yourself in later today or over New Year's. Myself and, and, the, and the pastors uh, and, the, and the leaders here of this church, we can't shine where you're going to be. That's your job. That's your responsibility. To, we, we, we have been called by God to help you live a Jesus-centered life, to cheer you on, to equip you, to give you all the tools necessary to shine brightly, but we can't shine for you. That's your Jesus-given job as a follower of His, to shine as brightly as possible, to point as many people as you can to Jesus. That's why I said I love that illustration from the video where Joel, the director, he did all that he could to prepare the actors on stage to do their job to the best of their ability, and then he just trusted them to go and play their role in the story. You and I have a role in the Christmas story. We have a role in the gospel. Jesus, of course, is the star of the story, but we are stars who get to point people and guide people towards the star, towards Jesus. So wherever you go this week, whoever you're with this week, Shine as brightly as you can for Jesus. Live a consistent Jesus-centered life. Make good choices. Not just because uh, it, it, it's what God expects of us, which He does, but because the, the choices that you and I make, they impact people around us. They can either turn people away from the Lord or draw people towards Him. Do you get that? Your, your personal testimony, my personal testimony, matters in this community. It matters online. Live a consistent Jesus-centered life and live it full of love. Because love is light in the dark world of hate and anger. We've got plenty more than we need of hate and anger. We don't need any more of that. We need more love. Love points people to hope. Love points people to peace. Love points people to joy that can found, be found only in Jesus Christ. I'm going to read that verse from 1 Peter one more time. In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. We've been given a really important role in the story of Christmas, the role of the Savior's star. Jesus is the Savior. We belong to Him. We are His star. So let's, let's go out and shine as brightly as possible so that others can find the hope that you and I have in Jesus Christ.